right? Yeah. Miranda is there for the second, but that doesn't matter at any point after this. No, she just disappears. She's, she she's falls gone. all the way off the script from this moment <laughs> on. Yes. <laughs> yep. Oh, I want to recut Crazy Billionaire Remake. Miranda's just standing there the entire scene being like, hello. <laughs> I, I am the prophet's daughter. No one's going to acknowledge right? that I'm here. To, okay. To, I, I talked to my dad. All right. It's fine. <laughs> God awful movie. 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 Welcome back to the Gamcast, where each week we sample another selection from Christian cinema, or I'd be coming up with new ways of finishing this sentence every week for nothing. I'm your host, No Illusions. Unfortunately, Heath won't be able to join us this week, but sitting 900 miles to my northeast is my bad friend, Eli Bosnick. Eli, how are you this fine afternoon, sir? Well, I'll tell you, partner, by the <laughs> Nephi's and the Lehi's of the Leahona, I'm just confused. <laughs> All right. Well, that's so, Eli, tell us uh, very quickly, what month is it? It's January, Noah. Well, because <laughs> if you want to take a month off in our business, you start prepping six months in yes, advance. Yeah, at least, at least. <laughs> on the plus side, the Kobe Bryant jokes that you're going to hear on this episode way more tasteful when people hear it okay, than when we made right. them. So everybody no, we don't wins. Need any of those? Yeah. <laughs> how how is the Pence presidency going, everybody? Is it it good? <laughs> Everything good? Oh come on, come on! Let's stopped, we can be right? we, no, no. We can be we can be up. We can say the Pelosi presidency. That joke works too, man. We don't have oh, to <laughs> even better. We don't have to say that. Yeah, no. Okay, so in our world, it's January, but in your world, listener, it is Mormon Movie Month, and that voice Ooh. you just hear is here to inaugurate Mormon Movie Month with us this week. We're pleased to welcome back the host of the Naked Mormonism podcast and. Kind of our resident expert on all things Mormon. And the only reason this movie makes any goddamn sense at all to me, <laughs> Bryce Blankenagle. Bryce, welcome back, sir. Thank you so much for having me, guys. And I have to say, I am so happy about this movie because it was a convalescence of so many of my favorite characters of Mormon history and some great actors for them. And it wasn't like produced by the church or any of the bullshit from the previous movies that we've done. So I'm stoked about this movie. I'm genuinely happy. It, no, it, had, watched. It, it had good actors and fucking in it. Yeah. It was not it the, the normal <laughs> Mormon movie month fair. So like, I'll tell you what, let's break the suspense right there. Tell us Bryce, what will we be breaking down today? We watched the avenging angel. It's the story of a wayward Danite trying to uncover a conspiracy to murder Brigham Young. Now, listeners, you may think that a movie about a persecuted people being driven from their promised land by a prophet, Charlton Heston, would be a great movie because those are literally the constituent pieces <laughs> to one of the greatest movies of all time, right? They are. <laughs> <laughs> It's clear the makers of this movie thought the same thing. It had all the ingredients, but it was like way overcooked. So alas, <laughs> the salt of the yes. earth that is Charlton Heston has lost its savor and his legacy is trodden underfoot. Amazing. Oh. No, this is the Mormons kind of looking at the Ten Commandments and going, we want one of them. <laughs> That's awesome. And Oh, and it comes back spectacularly at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yes. All right. So, Eli. How bad was this movie? Well, if you love hearing about 
other people's work drama. But <laughs> they use too many real words that you recognize. <laughs> you will love this movie. <laughs> you knew what you were getting when you invited me. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right. No, but to give you an idea, so so Bryce gave a 12-word summary of this movie, right? A wayward Danite trying to uncover a conspiracy to murder Brigham Young. So already in 12 words, what the fuck is talk is he talking about, right? Like that's this entire goddamn movie. It's like, what the who the fuck are you though? Are you like did did Mormons have ninjas? What the fuck is even going on? And added to this enjoyment of me and Noah's complete mystification throughout this movie is Bryce getting absolutely everything like it's inside jokes down at the bar. Like, are you telling me that Jeff Jacobs in this movie? Rick will well, I'll tell you, I haven't seen him in a dog's ear, Marshmallow Square. <laughs> me and Noah are just like, are the guns facing the same direction? <laughs> they dress not one, but two of their identical white women in drag and expect us to tell the difference. <laughs> Hey, that's cuffs and collars, all right? That's not that's, that's not a drag. And, uh, and that's amazing because, like, I watched this movie and I was like, I, I'm looking at a whole elephant. And then I'm going through, like, the notes as you guys are putting them in. And they're like, this feels like a rope. No, this yeah, feels right, like a tree right, trunk. Yes. I'm like, no, it's yes. a goddamn elephant, you guys. <laughs> Just look at the elephant. It's glorious. Except in the metaphor, you're the elephant. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. So... I didn't think this was going to get personal. <laughs> so uh, you really, you didn't really, Bryce, okay. Okay. Yeah, you came okay. on a show with Eli Bosnick. <laughs> yeah, on, okay. Fair. All right. Let's be honest about what's going on here. So I will, I will say this though, as much as I didn't know what the fuck was going on, this was possibly the least like unpleasant movie to watch that we've ever reviewed for this show. That says a lot. Strong agree based on the amount of women who gently stroke Tom Berenger's chest alone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's a lot of it. A lot of him shirtless. Mm. It's good. Yeah. It's good stuff. All right. So is there anything you guys want to nominate this one for being the best at being the worst at? I had best worst villain chair spin moment. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> now we're going to get into it, but this movie, it has so many like 80s and 90s villain and buddy cop tropes. And it has the villain chair spin trope that is universally lampooned. And when it hits in this movie, it is picture goddamn perfect. It is the last non-ironic villain chair spin, right? <laughs> yes. Like right before the point that all of cinema said, we're done with this, right? Yeah, right, right, right. 1995, I believe this was. All right. So I was going to go with best worst guest notes. No offense, Bryce. Uh, I'm sure there's some really good stuff in here. You already said I already warned you it was going to get personal. No, no, I love it. It's again because all of me and Eli's notes are like fucking what? And then Bryce has I shit you not. He has copied maps into the there notes here and there he's got are maps in our notes. copies and of original sources and shit. Yeah, exactly. It's all this crazy shit. I'll have like three sentences on this scene and Eli will have three sentences and Bryce will have 27 paragraphs of shit because every single thing makes sense to him. And we're just like, 
I don't know. I don't think that guy likes that guy much. <laughs> it's all in it's MLA format. Rockwell. Of course, we have to love this guy. He's the man of God, the son of thunder. Okay, you're the only non-homeless person who's ever yelled that at me, Bryce. <laughs> See, I was going to go with best worst kept secret. We'll get to it. But there is a secret established at the beginning of this movie that we will never meet a character who doesn't know yes. that secret. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We have 112 named characters, plus a lot of historical nuance to catch you up on in this flick. So we're going to keep the break brief. And when we come back, we'll dive into all the yes, but who the hell is this for that is <laughs> the Avenging Angel? Like, seriously, other I'm than so Bryce, excited. who the fuck wants to watch this movie? <laughs> Bryce. <laughs> I, I, it was great. This is a great movie. Goddamn Heston. <laughs> Long tail marketing. All right, guys, welcome to the first ever writer's room meeting of The Avenging Angels. Huzzah! Now, just a reminder, uh, even though this movie is about Mormon history, we want to make sure it's accessible for the general public. Yeah, accessible, sure. Just a good old-fashioned cowboy film. That's the spirit. Okay, so let's hear it. Okay, well, here we go. You know the Danites, right? The, the underground assassins controlled by Brigham Young, of course. Everybody knows them. Okay, so what if this movie is about a rogue Danite's attempt to overcome the Rigby coup? A historical event that everyone can get behind. I mean, who hasn't heard that story? I mean, he can run into all kinds of historical figures like Eliza Rigby, Alpheus Young, and even Porter Rockwell. My kids love Porter Rockwell. So relatable and relevant. And then, and then, wait for it, the big twist at the end, he can shoot Jeff Jones while Porter the Nephite uses his magic to distract the guards. Oh, that old chestnut. Love it. Love it. Blabber, blabber, magic, whoop, whoop, kadoop. Uh, Steve, I think, I think that last thing you said was nonsense and not, not Mormon history. Are you sure about that? I am not. I am not. You know what? I'll I'll write down whoop whoop kadoop just in case. Please. To be. We could listen to a Mormon history podcast. (laughs) 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 And we're back for the breakdown. And we're going to open things up by uh, selling the Mormons just minding our own business persecution narrative super quick. Right? Just, <laughs> oh, just... Mormon movie month. How I've missed you. <laughs> <laughs> we might call this a one note recurring theme. Yeah. Yeah. So like literally the opening scene of this movie is the Mormons just try to hang out their warsh. And then suddenly a bunch of Christians on horseback show up and murder a, a mom and a child there. Yeah. Hey. Strong choice to start the movie shooting a wow. kid in the face. Let's just yeah. say. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> and I, I was amazed by this because uh, the narrator kicks in, who we'll find out is the protagonist of the story, great protagonist. He says, they call them wolf hunts in Ohio, Missouri, Illinois. And then it's like, the question is like, why does one hunt wolves? Like, like 
People don't do wolf hunts because a rogue wolf. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) A rogue wolf smith made a new ruffigen, right? It's because the wolves are eating all of the helpless little sheep and carrying off children. By the way, we don't have time to get into it, but you should absolutely Google wolf hunts in Ohio, Missouri, and Illinois. It is the strangest, most emotional fight on a Wikipedia talk page you will ever find. (laughs) You should honestly, you should Google everything from every moment in this movie, or you should just listen to the Naked Mormonism podcast, one or the other. If you have to choose. Our community is small, but we are fired the fuck up, okay? (laughs) So, and I should say, okay, so basically here's the opening. It's a Mormon narrator going like, well, we I, we became Mormons and then everybody fucked with us everywhere we went and it was miserable and awful and we died indiscriminately from disease and persecution as though there was no God or if there was one, he specifically didn't care for us. <laughs> Mormonism, right? <laughs> That that's the whole thing. That's that's the whole that summarizes the whole religion from top to bottom. That's it. He also skates over Joseph Smith here at the beginning, which is great. He's like, anyways, then they assassinated Joseph Smith. Please don't Google that. But we had our new leader who I cannot emphasize enough. You should not Google Brigham Young. And like, yes, you should listen to Bryce's podcast. But let me give you the skivvy. That would be like being like, and then we had our new leader, Joseph Goebbels. He was good at newspapers and stuff. That's all you need to know. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Okay. So this is where we're going to meet. This is, you know, one of the seven and a half minutes they paid for with Charlton Heston. Yeah. Oh, totally. They they had him for a limited time. And they, of course, they knew that it's like his most, you know, one of his most well-renowned roles ever was Moses. So like it introduces Charlton Heston with the line, we pushed on under our new leader, the prophet, and it's in a tent. Wait for it. There's a long pause. And as Charlton Heston comes in through the doors of the tent, Brigham Young yeah. Oh, yeah. They they knew what they were doing here. From hero prophet to Mormon prophet, they brought out the big guns. Yeah. Uh, and this is probably a good time for us to acknowledge Charlton Heston's fake beard. So I have a theory. <laughs> he agreed to do this movie, but only if he could make his own beard. <laughs> Day of the shoot. And, and then he probably said that everyone else had to make their own fake beards, too, or he wouldn't do it. And that would explain, like, 60% of the questions I have about this film. <laughs> and they had to shear it from like his own flock of sheep. Yeah. <laughs> you know that optical illusion where it's either Einstein or Marilyn Monroe? It looks like someone tried to make one of those with Charlton Heston and an upside down Christopher Lloyd. That's what this fake beard looks like. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Everybody's beard is amazing in this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was a wonderful time in America. (laughs) So, okay. So here's how we meet Brigham Young. There's a little kid whose dad's just died of the plague that God gives to his chosen people. And he says, you know, he's like, we need to find Brigham Young says, well, we need to find you a, a new dad. And the kid says, well, aren't you the father of us all? That's what they say. And he's like, well, I do fuck most of the women here. 
<laughs> uh, no, God, Jesus, and God, or the <laughs> never mind. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, like that's that's an interesting point too, because he's like, no, God is the Father of us, and like functionally, especially on the high or the Overland Trail, like Brigham Young was their God out here. So it's like I'm taking a shine into you, kid. You're pretty smart. Let's find you a new daddy. <laughs> yeah. And wow, like that's what they do. He just comes out and he's like, uh, you, Dave, this is now your kid. Uh, oh, it's not Dave. No, I, yo, tell me who it <laughs> Yeah, don't, Bryce, don't you are the one setting this leave. up for Bryce. <laughs> okay, so this is the first shot we get of my favorite character in the movie, Wild Bill Hickman. And wait, wait, Hickman, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I just want to stop for just a second. What, Wild Bill Hickman, you fucking Mormons just take other people's shit and get as close as you're legally allowed to get. You know, there's some fucking copyright thing that you guys looked up and said, no, if every, if every fifth syllable is different, you're allowed to, it's a totally different thing. You're allowed to just use the same fucking stories. Okay. All right, so tell us about Wild Bill Hickman. Well, okay, so while Bill Hickman and Porter Rockwell were like two main leaders of the Danites in Utah and you know early in the Nauvoo era, the thing is Porter Rockwell was a notorious fuck up and Bill Hickman was a lot more cold-blooded. Bill Hickman basically had to come in and fix all of Porter Rockwell's fuck-ups. Like with the Aikman murders, Porter Rockwell like tracked him for four days up a canyon and he tried to kill him, but then they got out, got away from him, and they called in Wild Bill Hickman to track him for the rest of the days and murder them and bury them in a well. Like Bill Hickman was the hardcore version of Porter Rockwell, who was a fucking psychopath to begin with. And his role in this movie is fucking amazing. It's just amazing because he goes on a monologue that's just brilliant. So, no, Wild Bill Hickman, I mean, he's like a he's like a famous outlaw in my little pond. Yeah, in Mormonism and Mormonism, they have their okay. very own outlaws. We yeah. should probably clarify because this movie does something very weird with the Danites, right? So, the Danites and Bryce, correct me if I'm wrong. The Danites are basically Brigham Young and four psychopaths standing around going. You guys want to do an Illuminati? Yeah, let's do a fucking Illuminati, yeah? But like, they never actually manage an Illuminati. This movie is the closest they get to an Illuminati. It was just three guys who, spoiler alert for this movie, will kill a bunch of people they probably shouldn't have, and well, then Brigham Young will be like, yeah. I don't know those motherfuckers. I don't know what you're talking about. That's crazy. <laughs> Okay, with respect to killing people, that is the only resemblance they have to the Illuminati. <laughs> Sorry, so, yeah, no, we'll we'll get we'll dig way into the Danites before this is all over. We kind of have to, but first we got to talk about this scene where Charlton Heston does his Ah, the Promised Land, Salt oh, Lake God. City moment. <laughs> this is where it begins. This is where my notes actually start. Okay, so this is a monumental moment in Mormon history. Like, Brigham Young comes in and says, this is the place. Like, it's literally a monumental time of Mormon history. Mm -hmm. And it's also a fabrication because yep. Bloody Brigham had sent scouts ahead to the Great Basin three days in advance who had taken some notes about the area and they designated it as a settlement place that they would land in July of 1847. And at this time... Brigham Young was deathly ill riding in the back of a wagon with his <laughs> enema drainage tube hanging out the back of it as they descended into the basin. Oh, I want that scene with Charlton Heston. Let's see him have some fucking gravitas with a tube up his ass. <laughs> also, 
this scene is way funnier when you keep in mind that this is like the fourth time Brigham Young did this, right? Yeah, right. He's like, right. okay, oh, yeah. here's... <laughs> now this is the land that no, we will this settle is, are you on sure this America? one is the land where nobody's ever going to fuck with us <laughs> well the sure? problem was America kept extending the boundaries of its territory and they that like kept pushing the Mormons further west to get out of America so they could do whatever the fuck they wanted to so that eventually they got to the Great Basin and they're like we're in Mexico boys we get to yeah. fuck everybody's daughters it's great now <laughs> All right, and so also I we have to point this out that after they finally get to the promised land of Salt Lake fucking city, they <laughs> You've been they there. and these this is a quote here, they made peace with oh. the Indians. Oh. <laughs> you, know, you know how peace is in the phrase rest in peace? They made that kind of peace. You, you know Indians. how the you know how the Romans pacified Gaul? Yeah, they made peace <laughs> with the Indians is what they did. That, yeah. yeah. Peace spelled P-I-E-C-E. Because that's yeah. one thing that Bill Hickman did was like literally massacre the Timpanogos Indians and then cut off their wow. heads and sent them to New York to be studied. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Wow. <laughs> wow. The real the, the real version of this movie is so goddamn dark you couldn't get it on HBO. That's the literal fucking truth. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. So and then and then like they they put a lot of fucking words around it because you got to put a lot of words around it to make it not sound really bad. But then it's like and then we spent 1857 shooting at the U.S. Army for a oh year. Oh, my God. Why? Why was this happening? Because bloody Brigham Young wouldn't step down from the seat of governor. He refused to step down. And President Buchanan was like, what the fuck do I do with them? The Mormons out in the Utah Territory. I, this is a huge problem. And he sent the military off and Brigham sent his little militiamen, his Danites out to burn the ground in front of their troops to poison their literally poison yeah. the water wells in front of them to yeah. instruct them in any way possible to blow up their supply carriages. But eventually, like they just came to an impasse and bloody Brigham was like, OK, I'll step down for a minute and then, like, the people that Buchanan was able to put in place of Brigham Young, the non-Mormons, eventually they all disappeared or ran away because life was so shitty for them in Utah in the 1850s and 60s. Like, it's it's called Buchanan's blunder, but it's like, this is what happens when a fucking psychopath tyrant refuses to step down from office. Yeah, well, okay, so yeah, but but in this movie, it's just like, well, you know, we had just finally finished digging all our wells and then the government wanted to come in and say that they dug those wells. And we were like, no, you didn't dig those wells. So we so we shot at armed Americans. Oh, God. It's like, it's basically, we're three and a half minutes into this fucking movie and the narrator is going, I was a traitor to the U.S. nation in its infancy and I uh, fought to create a sovereign theocracy in the middle of... The you know, I was, tr I, oh, wow, this is going to get There's lots of treason today. <laughs> let me, well, and there's, let me get there's to this it. heartfelt father-son moment, too, where our narrator, Miles, who we get to meet in his adult form very soon, is, like, flanked on either side by Porter Rockwell and Wild Bill Hickman shooting at a supply train and blowing it up, right? Like, it's such a, like, a happy, clappy, you know, fun music, like, Yakety Sax is playing in the background. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah. oh, those are, those are, like, federal United States militiamen that you're right. just yep. shooting at, like guerrilla terrorizing. That's fun. Well, 
to this movie's credit, as they as they blow up a cargo truck behind U.S. soldiers in an act of historical treason, it freeze frames and he goes, they called us the avenging angels. I just wrote my notes. Oh, man, I really hope they have to drug one of them to get him on a plane. <laughs> also, like, hey, you know what? I know it's the start of Mormon movie month. But kudos Mormons, right? Like, be like, hey, do you remember those three guys? What if we made a movie where we pretend they were a secret army? Uh, or, and the good guys. Right. And the right. good guys. That's the fucked up thing. It's just like, yeah, you know, we were shooting at the American uh, soldiers and then the Civil War started. So they kind of went and fought that Civil War, which we stayed home from mostly. We are the heroes of this film. This, right. This is like oh, if in 200 years they made a movie about those guys who took over the birding station and ate a bunch of gummy dicks, but they were the heroes. <laughs> it really and is. I love this too. Like our brothers had another name for us, the Avenging Angels. And then it's like apostates had another name for us. It was. All right. So now we fast forward to 1872. And and we're going like, you know, by 1872, even Brigham Young was kind of embarrassed to be associated with people as violent as us, which says a lot, a lot. <laughs> right. And again, the <laughs> historical lot. truth behind this is so much funnier and awesomer because they just killed a bunch of people. Brigham Young didn't mean to have killed. Right. And so he was like, I don't know those guys. What? Yep. Who? Yep. Oh, I... I gave them badges, but that was for a Christmas thing. <laughs> Your daughter's looking great. What is she, 11, 12 now? Oh, I'm Brigham Young. Oh, oh, oh no. So. <laughs> yeah, one guy had been convicted at this point and was shot for this. John D. Lee. Oh, for, really? For Mountain Meadows Massacre. <laughs> oh, so, okay. And, but I don't think he was actually shot for it until like 1878 or something, which is like 24 years after the shooting actually happened. Jesus. So... That's wow. Justice is swift and fair and shit. Well, so, okay, at this point, I wasn't sure how honest we were going to be here because, like, the opening scene, we meet Miles as an adult, right? And the first thing he does oh, is just yeah. slit some random old man's throat who's going to get water for his coffee. And I would, and, and I wrote in my notes, I was like, well, okay, well, then Miles Utley just slit a dude's throat for apostasy. It turns out it wasn't <laughs> that exactly, but like, that's what I thought we were doing. I thought that's how honest we were being here. It wasn't not that. And, and what's amazing is, hey, spoiler alert, nine tenths of the way through this movie, this movie will think that this killing at the beginning, which it will dedicate four and a half seconds to, is what the movie's about. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, right, so right. for the rest of this movie, when we're in the last tenth of this movie and everyone's holding their heads and ripping sackcloth about this killing, keep in mind that what we got at the beginning of the movie was, hey, I'm going to go take a shit in the woods. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that's where we actually meet our protagonist for the first time, right? So our introduction to Miles to this point is his dad dying. And being handed to an outlaw as a, apparently an adopted son immediately, then shooting at armed officers of the federal government, and now slitting an innocent guy's throat who's yep. just like taking a shit in the woods, right? And then he says, This is so great. He says, Better one man be sacrificed than the kingdom of God on earth. And that's a recurring theme throughout this movie of 
people using scripture justifications to commit goddamn right. atrocities. Right, right. So much of this fucking movie is like, all right, well, now he could, shouldn't have killed that guy. That's one of the yeah. guys that he killed that was a bad person to have killed. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I want to, I, I want to point out, okay, so then he slits this guy's throat. Then he goes and he goes to fuck his lady friend. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Great. I want to make right. it clear to the listeners at home. We're not even all the way through the goddamn credits and we've had to stop this many times to go, okay, here's what's going on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And she's a teenager, by the way. Yeah. If you were really living this movie with us, there's a lot of what? Who is she? <laughs> Who was that guy he killed? Keep in mind that we are guiding you through this movie like the shepherds of men we are. We did not find out. I mean, everyone except Bryce did not find out who that guy who got his throat slit for an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Three episodes of Everybody Loves Raymond until we know what the fuck just happened at <laughs> the beginning of this movie. And this is weird, too, because he's he like comes up to this teenager and like, there's one less that your father will have to worry about, which at this point serves to be the foreplay talk with a teenager yes. in 1870s Utah slitting a guy's throat and she right. just shrugs that shit off and is like dad says there's two more enemies coming in from the east tomorrow like what we don't know who dad is or any okay so yeah just to give you a, a quick example here's my entrance into this fucking scene the sentence that i wrote as we watched it yeah i could have gone back and fixed it i didn't because i thought it should remain here as an exemplar is so now Miles is, in parentheses, I think, tracking to, in parentheses, whoever it is he's murdering through, in parentheses, town, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just wrote in my notes, these guys look like the most dangerous dentists in all of cowboy Utah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's OK. So apparently he is trying to protect Brigham Young from the numerous assassins that are always after Brigham Young. Which is fair because people were trying to kill, you know, that's that's what happens with the job of tyrant. People are trying yeah, to kill you yeah. all the time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And if anybody would have succeeded, it would have been too little too late at any time. Yeah, no, they would have just made another guy him, which is what happened with yeah. Joseph Smith. I mean, that's how he got yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, that's that's it. Yep. <laughs> all right. So now we we meet I don't know. Tell me who we fucking the, the first guy who's yelling at the church before Brigham Young. Who's this guy? Right. So this is Ben Rigby. He's a fictional character, but he is. We will find out one of like the main villains who's planning the great conspiracy. Spoiler, the great conspiracy to kill Brigham Young. And he is up there just screeding about Mormon purity. And. Well, uh, the first thing that he says, he like starts talking and I had to put on subtitles for this because I thought the first word that he says is the Jews. That's the word <laughs> of the hour. No, nope. it would have fit, but he actually says vigilance is the word of the hour. I see. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he gets around to Jews when he says that carpet baggers are the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and okay, so I love the way that they're selling this, too. So what we have here is he's saying, like, you know, Brigham Young realizes that there shouldn't be mining here in Utah, but all the miners want to come in and mine. That's why we don't want outsiders here is because of all the mining rights that they'll take. And we're trying to protect the environment, you see, not 
naked xenophobia or anything like that. We didn't murder anybody. Also, there's just a tiny moment in this speech, and I know we got to move on because there's so much movie less, but there's a <laughs> tiny moment in this speech that I have to talk about, which is where Rigby throws in a Mormon deep cut where he's like, don't you guys remember all the trials and tribulations, the time those seagulls came and ate all our locusts? You know, just the normal... <laughs> Historically agreed upon events that took place. <laughs> yes, yes. The whole, yeah. Oh, we, when we first came to this land, ate tree bark immediately after that scene where Brigham Young said that we would want for nothing in this new land of ours. Anyway, it doesn't, none and of then, it. And then they almost all starved to death. Yeah, but luckily birds ate bugs for the first time in human history. It was a miracle. <laughs> So, okay, but just then, like, Brigham, okay, now it's time for Brigham Young to take the fucking stage, right? He does his little poundy thing with his fucking cane, and everybody shuts the fuck up because he's Brigham Bring goddamn Young. Bring me my enema tube. Yeah. <laughs> and I love, so basically, here's how Brigham Young's speech goes in this movie. He comes to the fucking front, and he goes, I don't kill people, and, uh... We don't want people to get killed, and I don't order people to get killed. I certainly don't pay for people to get killed um, <laughs> or their legs broken. I'm done. I'm done um, talking now. Uh, remember, he literally enters on, remember Joseph Smith's last words, I love you all. <laughs> <laughs> I just take issue with because it was more like, oh, I'm shot, you fuckers. <laughs> well, it was, I'm shot, you fuckers, because my magic powers didn't work. Yeah. Because <laughs> garments don't actually deflect bullets. Yes, yes, Fuck. exactly. He, he is more likely to have had his last words be, I love you all. Shooting him with finger guns. Yeah. So, well, yeah, actually, that's really close to what he did, isn't it? So, <laughs> but just then, like, so the whole time that they're doing these speeches, Tom Berenger, Tom Berenger is the main character of this fucking movie. We, we haven't really like laid that out. He's Miles. Tom Berenger's walking through the, the church crowd looking for somebody. He knows there's some assassins in the crowd and he's keeping an eye out for everybody. And just then somebody pulls a gun out of a bag or whatever, and he gets the drop on him and he shoots him. This is the only time he will ever get the drop on any fucking buddy in the entire yeah. movie, by the way. Oh, yeah. And it was almost too late, right? Like the person was able to brandish the pistol, point it at Brigham Young. And in the lick of time, he like went behind Brigham's back and shot them in. Well, apparently in the face. But I would yeah. like to point out here, I want some realism that bullet clearly was center mass because they fell backwards. Their head didn't snap backwards, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm just being nitpicky. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing they got wrong in this movie. Yeah, that that's was the weird they, part yeah. about this movie, Bryce. <laughs> so, and then of course, there's, so they, there's the suspenseful moment, right? Because the person has a hood on a la Assassin's Creed when he shoots him. So he runs over to check on, like, to, to like pull the hood up and see who the assassin was. And just then someone gets the drop on him. Get used to that. And knocks him unconscious so that he gets, like, taken to the next scene. You will never convince me that the original title of this film wasn't Someone Gets the Drop on Him. <laughs> <laughs> and this was, like, such a what-the-hell moment for me, too. Because, like, I, I could not figure this out. I was like, he was, he was protecting the prophet. Why, why would somebody hit him in the face? Why? 
what, what's what's going on? And then it all starts to come together when he wakes up. Yeah, right. It's it's this all adds up according to the yarn and stick pins in fucking Bryce's basement. All right. So now <laughs> welcome to my brain. Miles wakes up in Jeffrey Jones's office and I'm going to go ahead and tell you right away. It's going to turn out that Jeffrey Jones is the bad guy. And you can tell because it's Jeffrey Jones, right? Like he always <laughs> turns out to be the fucking bad guy. Well, yeah. I was going to say, you can also tell based on this actor's performance. He's like, hello, Miles, would you like a glass of water? Not evil. What? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> Not evil. Well, there's a there's a Regular distinctly water. and and please tell me what the relationship is between these two characters, Bryce, because there's a distinctly like give me your badge and gun kind of a moment here yes. between them, isn't I, there? I yeah. put in oh, yeah. I put in my notes, turn in your badge and magic underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I have that in my notes too. <laughs> okay. So there were like there were the actual soldiers of the assassin squad of the Danites, right? But they were run by captains. The captains like would be the administrators of each of the different divisions of the Danites. And it's clear that like this guy has his brother Milton Long, so Jeffrey Jones, right? Mm-hmm. He's clearly one of the administrators over the, the security over the Danites. And he's, they say it later in the movie that he's head of Brigham's personal security team, right? So we don't know that yet. He's just Jeffrey Jones asking our main character, you tell me what the hell you were doing today. And you're like, what? What the, why? Okay, wait, What's wait. What's going on? Right, so let, let, me, let me make this clear then, because the movie really, really does a terrible job at this. So Jeffrey Jones, Milton Long is the head of, Brigham Young security and yeah. Tom Berenger's character is securing Brigham Young at Jeffrey Jones's at Milton Long's request. Yes. But the Danites are a group that the Mormon church doesn't have anything to do with and don't have any official capacity and then blah, 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 blah. Right. And they never existed. Just like the Illuminati. Okay. All right. Just making sure that. Okay. Yeah. E- but <laughs> even within this movie, they can't keep it fucking straight. <laughs> it's amazing. All right, but here's the thing. So when he killed the person that was about to kill Brigham Young, it turned out that they didn't find a gun on that person. He's being set up. Yeah, here's the twist. So he's on, like, Danite probation. He's like, you get out of here. And he's like, no, I've got to find those other two. So the concept here, don't worry, the movie will drop this in seconds, but just so you can follow along, he's going to follow the two assassins who didn't try to kill Brigham Young. That's his mission. Meanwhile, Jeff is like, oh, you're on Danite probation. Well, and here's the <laughs> fucked up thing, right? So from Jeffrey Jones's character's perspective, if he's not one of the people trying to set up Tom Berenger's character, then what he thinks happens is, happened is Tom Berenger just shot a rando in the middle of a church that was unarmed. <laughs> and his And his solution is like, Maybe you take a couple of days off and let this blow over, right? Yeah. Okay. What we're saying is it's the first ever police department. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of shares a whole lot of... Oh, no, they, they had a gun on them the whole time, I swear, officer. But yeah. It's like all of the same old buddy cop tropes. It's like, Ben Rigby wants your head on a platter. And this... Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I love this line because... 
Jeffrey Jones says, we're trying to convince people that we're civilized here and shooting folk ain't civilized. He says, despite our polygamous views, we're not a cult of barbarians. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's the least barbaric thing about you guys. Okay. Oh, and then, all right. So he goes, he goes to leave. Tom Berger, uh, Miles goes to walk out the door and Jeffrey Jones goes, oh, one more thing. I know you're fucking Brigham Young's daughter. And then he yes. leaves. Right. <laughs> By the way, get ready for that because literally every character will end all Everyone. their interactions with yeah. Miles with that. Or or by getting the drop on him, which is what happens immediately after that, right? He walks out <laughs> the fucking door and those two assassin dudes that he was going to try to to follow get the drop on him again. Get By the way, they get the drop on him by being like something on your shirt, bonk. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Miles just now suffered his second concussion in 15 minutes. He better be slurring his words in the next scene. <laughs> yeah, or right. <laughs> the, the, we got some serious problems. But no, no, no. no. He just it's, wakes up. It's, it's movie unconscious, so you just wake up later. Yeah. All right, so Miles wakes up. He's on the shore of the Great Salt Lake, and he's being found by a woman and her two daughters. This is uh, Eliza Rigby mm -hmm. is this character. I like Eliza Rigby a lot. Probably a little too much. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's who All we right. know. With the We're we, we just have, have a lot of uh, a much better understanding of the posters in your bedroom now. I was going to say we're we're working through all of Bryce's issues on today's episode of God Awful <laughs> Movies. <laughs> Me and every ex Mormon listening to this, we're yeah. all in this together, folks. We'll make it. <laughs> so uh, Miles goes. Wait, you're Elder Rigby's wife. Right. And she goes, well, I'm one of you used a singular. I don't know why you would think that would be a singular thing. But no, yes, I am amongst Elder Rigby's wives. Right. OK, so this is why I love her, because I, I think she's the best person acting in this movie because her face says more than what her words actually say. Because when she says one of them, yes, like there's there's this overwhelming like sadness and dejection, like a cloud descends over her head. And then the conversation gets a lot worse because Miles says, does he know that I'm here? And then she goes on to like monologue, looking out the window wistfully. My husband and I don't have much occasion to speak. I live here alone with my two daughters. No one knows you're here. So you're safe from whoever's after you. And of course, when she says that, like that's music to a predator's ears, right? But like her facial expressions take me to the 1870s. And like every scene with her, I'm like, this is so real of Utah women back then and what thousands of Utah women live with every day in Utah and Southern Utah right now. It's painful to watch this character actor and she does such a good job. Well, it, there there's a whole bunch of this movie and this is one of those parts that has me going like, who's this movie for, right? Like, it's not for totally. the Mormons. They don't want this stuff in their movies. It's not for non-Mormons because we don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> it's for, I'm telling you, it's for Bryce Blankenay. It must be, yeah. <laughs> we found the media, audience of one. <laughs> kind of like my podcast. Yes. All right, and so there's also like, you know, okay, so to summarize everything here in this scene, basically he wakes up, she's bandaging him up, she says, you can stay here as long as you like. Apropos of nothing, my husband hasn't fucked me in a really long time. What? You said what? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, and now they're having dinner, and they have a conversation that 
I don't know. Like, I can't. I don't know what the anger is here. The like, there's there's some like unspoken thing that they're talking about, but it's an unspoken thing, and it's this fucking movie. I don't know what right. the fuck this scene is about. What What's amazing about this scene again is that this whole movie shtick is to build up the Danites as like this tribe of ninjas, but when you know the actual history, it's just like so. You and those two other guys keep fucking killing people. Um, do you, and she says, she's like, so do you like get paid for that? Or is it an internship situation? Like, What's going on with all the murder you and your two friends? Can't emphasize this enough. Just you and your two friends are doing. And he's like, the Danites are a myth. Yeah. And she's like, really? Cause no, because you're you're a myth that killed a bunch of people. We, we all, all know, know who you. This mm -hmm. is a small community. We know you're. You're Tom Berenger. We know that. This would be like someone walking up to me at a live show and being like, how do you like the podcast? And me being like, what podcast? Smoke bomb. Well, okay. So, <laughs> and then, of course, he has to give this explanation, right? Because, of course, yes, the Danites in this movie's universe are the kung fu assassins that work right under the, the top level Mormons, but don't work for the Mormons. So he gives this speech about, like, sort of justifying the existence of the Danites, where he's basically saying, like, the problem was Joseph Smith was too goddamn peaceful. It was his conviction that no one Cowardly. should ever be violent whatsoever. <laughs> it got him killed because he was so peaceful. Gandhi had shit on him. Martin Luther yeah. King stole that idea from him. From him. Yeah, and he's like, I won't let that happen to Brigham, what happened to Joseph Smith, right? Because uh, religion does so much good for society. But there's another layer to all of this because Mormonism is all about this word priestcraft that they throw around. It's like the church isn't supposed to pay the leaders. Like the leaders are called of God. It's their calling. And like they just do it as a volunteer thing, right? The term calling is big in Mormonism. So the idea that the church has paid clergy is already a super touchy issue. So then when we extend that question to does the church pay their assassin squad? It's like it's like they're priestcrafting ninja. Uh, how, how do we how do we deal with that question? So that's kind of like the subtext of what's going on in this conversation. Gotcha. And then he's like, "I'm I'm such a badass killer. I don't kill for money. I do it for family, like everybody in our little mafia does." Right? Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. No. I kill for religious conviction. Who could possibly yeah. see a problem with that? Yeah. And also, like, I do it because who the fuck is gonna stop me out here and my life is awesome as shit i get land i get money for anything i need i fuck teenagers it's my life is the shit right now who's gonna stop me yeah all right so now uh we cut to sometime later she's lubing up tom Berenger's chest on the lake shore oh my god i love this scene all you needed to sell me on this movie, whatever happened before, whatever happened thence, <laughs> all you need is this scene where this poor actress is doing her absolute best to look like she is not horrified rubbing oil on Tom Berenger's <laughs> chest. How, how many times did they call cut and she was just like, oh, oh, she needed a fucking spit bucket like they do in McDonald's commercials. <laughs> I'm just like, Joanne, that water's boiling. I know, Steve, I know. <laughs> All right, we need to set up for the reverse shot. No, you fucking don't. You're doing it in one. Birdman, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's she's rubbing him down with oil, and they and then they make out a little bit, and she's like, I can't. I'm a married woman. And he's like, uh, 
Okay, I just wrote in my notes, I can't bone you. We swore to be each other's 125th and only. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then as he's like buttoning his shirt up, getting all dejected, she goes, also, um, you're fucking the prophet's daughter. I know also that you're having sex oh, with her. So, but no, that that's know. not just it, though. Because, like, she rejects him, and then he, like, gets up all miffed and starts buttoning up his shirt. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, besides, it's my understanding that you prefer much younger women, which, ha, 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 pedophilia joke. But she delivers it fucking stone cold and just looks off into the distance and drops her mic through the goddamn center of the earth. It was amazing. And then he reacts like... You would expect somebody, is there anybody in Salt Lake who doesn't know about that? Instead of saying, oh, yeah, I'm fucking a teenager. I should reflect on my life. Or, <laughs> oh, you know about that. I should think about who I talk to and who I brag to about fucking a teenager. No, he's like, oh, you know about it too. What a shame. Slaps his knee. Egg on my face. Yeah. Right. Also, she immediately follows this by being like, just so you know, Brigham Young's daughter is only fucking you to piss off her dad. And I wrote in my notes, and so it was that Mormons girls would begin a long tradition of fucking people to piss off their dads. <laughs> well, and then in the creepiest turn of the whole fucking movie, he's like, well, yeah, but like I'm only fucking her because I secretly want to fuck her dad through her yeah. anyway. Holy shit. And let's be clear. It is not just this scene. He will reemphasize this with each character who brings up this scandal. Every single one of them will be like, oh, you're fucking that child. And he's like, no, oh, God, how many times do I have to explain this? I, I am trying to get him. close to her dad. <laughs> yes. You guys are making it he weird. He like reinforces it to her. Yes. Yeah. Like Later. to the teenager, to her face. <laughs> And then she does it back to him. Yeah, it's really fucking weird. Okay. Fucking insane. So now we get this. So they, they don't, they will, they won't, they know they won't. It's at least that much of a Mormon movie. So now I guess Miles is about to leave to go hunt down whatever the fuck he's doing in this goddamn movie. But just then this chick's husband comes by. Oh, man, is this the Mormon cowboy movie we all thought it would be? <laughs> okay, so let's be clear. This woman's husband comes back. First of all, for some reason, he is wearing a magician's top hat yep. in the middle of this cowboy movie. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then our hero, I cannot emphasize this enough, stands and listens as she gets physically abused in the barn. Yeah. In a cowboy movie, right? This movie's like, bah, 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 guns and slingers and roses and ashes. But at this point in the movie, we will hear her getting abused. And he's like, oh, I should do something. And the daughters are like, don't. And he's like, well, they said don't. Yep. I guess I will yep, just stand here for There's nothing that a <laughs> I can do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Rigby comes storming out of the house and says, thy desire is for thy husband, thy husband, part of the goddamn temple covenants, right? It, it, it's like that Rob Porter shit that came out two years ago. That's like not an isolated incident. That, it's like cultural and scriptural background yeah. to that shit. Right. It's insane. And then it's so much worse because she comes out and she is stone faced about this. She's got blood on her cheek and a ripped sleeve. And she is just like, Shit just happens. He comes over here like once, twice a month, slaps me around with his whiskey dick, and I just take that shit into stride, right? And then she sends her kids out to go like boil fucking water or whatever. And then he like gets on the horse and was like, you tell your husband 
that if he lays a hand on you, I'm going to come riding down on him like the wrath of God. Like, you could have done that. (laughs) If he ever hits you again, I'm going to do Everybody gets one, but... uh, (laughs) Take my word for it. I will totes my goats do something if he ever hits you again. I'm the hero of this movie. He'll already have hit you, of course, by then, so it's not going to... You know, just like you like, just know if he beats you to death that after you're dead, I will probably give him a stern talking. All to. right, yeah. so, you know what? If he hits you four more times, that's three <laughs> warnings, <laughs> and then a relapse. Then, then, well, I'm gonna have strong words with him. Maybe yeah. Yeah. we'll right. see. Oh, and I'll I'll set up this bell on an end of a you know 400 mile long string so you can reach me in Escalante when he starts beating yeah, you again. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Is that how you diffuse an abuse situation? You tell the abuser that a guy who has the hots for me is going to kick your ass. Yeah, right. No, my boyfriend's gonna beat you up if you hit me again. Yeah, no, I don't think that's gonna work. Great. Fuck. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure what it is but clearly at the end of this scene miles rode off to do something heroic or something so we're gonna pause for a quick break but we'll be back soon with the yet still more characters that are the avenging angel from the makers of the avenging angel comes a new family comedy about life in utah's west honeys i'm home Meet Rigby, a family man who's got a lot on his hands. 22 bathrooms and they're all full. And his wives, Eleanor, Susan, Elizabeth, Sally, Deborah, Jolene, Sarah, Rebecca. Oh, shit. Which one are you again? I'm Raylene. Wait, when? When did he marry you? I was 11. Oof. Anyway, coming this fall. The Rigby's. I'm 15. I said, woof, we get it. And we're back for more of this shit. When we last left off, our hero was just leaving Eliza's place after she refused to fuck him. So we're going to rejoin the action with him making a goddamn beeline to Miranda's place. That would be Brigham Young's daughter, the teenage girl that he (laughs) has sex with on the side. So great. So he shows up at the, I don't know, wherever it is, the the graveyard, the romantic graveyard where the two of them meet, apparently. Yeah. Very yeah. unclear. Yeah. And, it, you know, he's like, uh, he shows up and he's like, oh, I'm so glad to see you, baby. Can I call you Eliza tonight? She's like, what? She's like, he says, you said what? <laughs> but just then, wouldn't you know it, along comes a carriage full of plot devices. This is the laziest this fucking writing ever gets in this goddamn movie. He just so happens to be in the graveyard where all the bad guys are bringing the body of the assassin that he killed earlier. Right. Miranda is there for this second, but that doesn't matter at any point after this. No, she just disappears. She falls all the way off the script from this moment on. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Oh, I want to recut Crazy Billionaire Remake. Miranda's just standing there the entire scene being like, hello. (laughs) I I am the prophet's daughter. No one's going to acknowledge that I'm here. Okay. I I talked to my dad. All right. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 15. Okay, so yeah, so all of these various bad guy-ish characters that we've met to this point have come to dig up a body. Now, it's the body of the assassin that he killed, and apparently they're moving it around. They're doing a relay with it or something. 
so that nobody will figure out who it was. Yep. Because in the forest, random forest area, not near any civilization, wasn't a good enough hiding place under the ground? I yeah, apparently not. Yeah. And then okay, and he's and and fucking Miles rolls up like he's all badass. He's like, hey guys, get away from the coffin. I'm gonna figure out what's going on here and get to the bottom of this. But wouldn't you know it, somebody gets the fucking drop on him. Right. And it's Miles with one shotgun versus like four guys yep. that all have their guns out ready to go. And he intimidates them away from what the it, but I, until I, I don't know. Until this other, the fifth character shows up, right? Who gets the drop on him. Right. Now, this is Porter Rockwell. And I just wrote in my notes, like, I'm going to remember who the fuck that is. We're 33 minutes into this movie. There are already 74 characters, but this is the one played by James Coburn. So I did remember who this was. Yeah, oh, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. My notes here are, who is Santa Hobo? Am I supposed <laughs> to know who Santa Hobo is? Wasn't Santa Hobo his friend earlier in the movie? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guy with the, well, one of the guys with the one of the fake beards right at the beginning when they were like moving into the valley, right? Yeah. And it's really weird here because you're supposed to suspect that Porter Rockwell is colluding with the enemies here, but it later, he's not. Porter's actually yeah. a good guy. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. And, and there was a lot of convoluted bullshit to get there. But so we, we get through all of that and now... Here's how stupid and lazy this goddamn movie has gotten. The next scene, we have him following around Rigby, the the chick's husband. The anyway, I'm not even. I'm not. Even, he's following around one of the bad guys. Let's not try to <laughs> pretend like they're all different fucking people in this. And here's his big plot. His big plan is to steal the carriage from that bad guy and to take it to the newspaper guy so that he can ask the newspaper guy. What the fuck the movie's about? Why Why didn't he just walk? Why didn't he just ride his own horse there? Why didn't he teleport there? Because it doesn't, uh, no, whatever, doesn't matter. The reason he goes to talk to the newspaper man, according to the protagonist, is because you're the newspaper guy. You know things, right? You have to write something in your paper. Yes, and the yes, guy's like, that's a right, solid. Because he needs news. He needs news, so he goes to where the news is. Yes. <laughs> and I love here, like when, when he walks in, the newspaper guy, Pike, is like, are you here to burn the place down? That's, that, that was a good one. I chuckled Big pretty wink, hard yeah. at that Big one. Big wink. So, okay, but basically he says he gives him a long speech, but right at the end of his big dramatic, hey, remember that guy you killed in the opening scene? Maybe that has some significance now. Huh? Huh? Mm -hmm. And just yeah. as he finishes that dramatic speech, a bunch of armed guys get the drop on him. Because <laughs> it's, because it's a, you know what? I was going to do your bit about it. It's an even numbered scene or it's an odd numbered scene. It's just a numbered scene. So yeah, right. Drop exactly. On exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah. Okay. So I, I guess they arrest him now for stealing that guy's horse and buggy, which he never had any reason to do unless getting arrested was part of his Joker-esque plan here. <laughs> and by the way, listener, if you are confused and lost in the plot, it is probably because as I watch this movie, each character seems to be guessing with their dialogue what the movie's about, right? Newspaper <laughs> man is like, maybe that guy you killed and the bad guys show up and they're like, is it a horse thing? Maybe it's a horse-based crime 
movie. I know that there's a lot of tape left. We'll find out together yeah. what the plot of this is. As the handcuffs like clink, 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 clink down onto his hands. It's like, who did I murder? Is that going to come out in court? It's like, <laughs> you're a Danite. There is no court for you. You're going to disappear down a well. Yeah, we're just like all the fucking people that you've killed because you're a fucking Danite. Yeah, right, right. Like, like, hey, dude, we have people that go around and slit people's throat for us. Oh, right. I'm one of them. Right. Right. Yeah. Shit. Oh, want him to start criticizing Danite technique. He's like, really? You're bringing me to the Cotherby's well to jump me in there? Okay. Okay. I'm going to right back up. <laughs> all right. So, okay. They take him to the Mormon dungeons and his girlfriend and his girlfriend show up together to Ooh, see yeah. him. That's awkward. awkward. <laughs> and th this scene, by the way, serves no goddamn purpose because like they're good. Somebody's going to give him a gun to break out of prison with, but it doesn't matter because somebody else is also going to give him a different gun to break out of prison with. And then he won't need a gun to break out of prison. <laughs> so I, I was going to say that this scene is not pointless because it provides truly the best comedic moment of the 21st century where two characters visiting him in a row secret him guns. I wanted that to continue just for the rest of the movie. <laughs> no matter too. who we run Me into. Me so bad. He like he, he goes up to the horse. All right, girl, let's get out of the horse. Opens its mouth, hands him a pistol. Yeah. All right, I'm now... I'm now out of gun pockets, holsters, that's the word. <laughs> Brigham Young comes up and hands him the keys to a tank. Right, oh, right. No, actually. Brigh spoiler alert. Brigham yeah, Young is going to yes. bring him a gun. Yep. <laughs> but hang on. No, so there is an important detail here, right? So Eliza gives him this fucking hand howitzer. This thing's a monster. Like even Dirty Harry's like, come on, you're compensating, aren't you? But then Milton, Milton Long hands him, you know, one of the, the main bad guys, hands him a little black gun police issue. And that comes back later when he confronts Porter Rockwell. Yes. Well, yeah, though, well, that's, yeah, that's the next scene, actually. So he's loaded up his pistol. He's getting ready to make his escape. He's calling the guard. But damn it, if Jeffrey Jones's character, Milton Long, doesn't show up and he also brings him a gun, which, again, yeah, that's that's actually kind of clever. And he's like. Milton, tell me what the hell is going on. Why were they digging up that body? Who is it that I got killed? And he's like, look, man, we're barely into act two. You know, I'm not going to fucking tell you. If I did, it would turn out I was lying anyway. Why don't you, when you find Porter Rockwell, he'll tell you everything that's he'll explain the entire movie to you, right? Yeah. Also, the newspaper guy that you talked to, he got shot and killed, and uh, that has nothing to do with the rest of this movie. Yeah. So what's amazing is, it's trying to establish, I, on my second watch of this movie, I realized it's trying to establish him as the villain fishing for information, but because he doesn't get it from the protagonist, he's just like, nothing. Well, you know, sometimes people get murdered. Anyways, <laughs> see ya. Enjoy that gun. <laughs> I was this many minutes old when I figured that out. Yeah, right, right. I, like, I okay. didn't even realize that there was a reason for killing Pike. I was just like, oh, well, he went and talked, and now Pike had too much information about the conspiracy, and you got to kill them newspaper guys. Yep, I guess. Yep. Or maybe it's just a Mormon thing. They're just like, when in doubt, kill the newspaper guy. Yeah. <laughs> or burn it down, or, or yeah. both. Why not both if you're feeling a little frisky? Right. Well, yeah, you can kill both of those birds with one stone fairly easily. Okay, so, and then he escapes from prison by... Walking out of the unlocked prison. Mormons are on the honor system, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Started here, folks. Started here. Fucking stupid. Okay. And and then he goes to this bar where he's supposed to meet Porter Rockwell. And wouldn't you know it, some bad guys have gotten to that bar and gotten the goddamn <laughs> drop on him. Six? Number number seven? Number I, eight? How yeah, many times now? Quite a few now. But these bad guys are special. They waited for him to say something mean to one of the villains before they oh. showed up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So he's talking to Alpheus Young, who is Brigham Young's son, right? One and of the 59. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah one yeah. of the 59 characters who won't matter and will have no effect on the plot of this movie. But now the movie seems to think is the villain. He's not. Don't worry. It's only for another three minutes. But anyways, he gets in there and. <laughs> And Alpheus Young is like, let me tell you, I'm the bad guy. And apparently they're in this bar alone until the moment he's like, fuck you, Alpheus Young. In which case, 700 guys descend from the rafters like Tom. They're popping out of barrels. It was like Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, and and, <laughs> and like you got to wonder, like, what if he just hadn't said anything that made the clever reveal work? Would they have just stayed there all fucking night with him trying to coax out a clever like come on man you got to say something about but we're all alone you get you're never if you don't say it then i never have a time to lift my arms and reveal all my oh you know what fuck you but okay so i gotta give it to the writing staff because they pulled off a joke i was howling at this one right so miles says to alpheus young you know the problem with polygamy when you have 27 wives and 56 children one of them is bound to turn out as dirt stupid and pig ugly as you. And I died. I melted into my chair. I was laughing so hard because like Mormons don't got good jokes. Like you, you listeners, you've heard me on this podcast. Like we don't know how to laugh. We don't know how to make like real jokes. So for the writing staff to like shoehorn that one in with this delivery right before the ambush. Oh my God. I I was howling. I yeah. couldn't control myself. Again, this movie was made for Bryce Blank and I go, for Bryce. I, exactly. I, I wrote in my notes. I know that the people who wrote this movie think this is very, very funny. Congratulatory marshmallow squares were handed out all around. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let's just point out, like, I don't want to get into the Alpheus Young plotline because it doesn't matter and shouldn't matter. This Alpheus Young plotline is so filled with inside Mormon jokes, they might as well just turn to the screen and be like, huh? The yeah, girls right. in the square who come up and talk to you? Right. Right? Yeah, I also love that like <laughs> they can start a sentence with, the problem with polygamy is, and then not end it with <laughs> any of the numerous actual fucking problems with polygamy. Yeah, it, it doesn't end with the American government. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I should say polygamy as, as understood by the Mormons in this film. All right, but luckily, though, for fucking Miles, this bar has dynamite lanterns. So... <laughs> He shoots the first of many. Oh my god! Yeah, so he just like starts shooting lanterns. There's giant explosions everywhere, but the fire knows bad guy from good guy. It knows friend from foe. It's like don't catch him on fire. He set us free, you know, or whatever. So he's fine and runs out of the bar. Right, and Alpheus Young was like, "I'm bulletproof, motherfucker," and he's like, "Not fireproof, motherfucker." Kaboom. <laughs> And we should point out, somehow, all of these henchmen, of which there are 75,000, they all stood exactly next to the exploding barrels of this movie. Yeah. Like the golden, 
the bad guys from Goldeneye were like, come on, dude, give the lantern some distance. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> that's just unsafe. You know, that, that's, that's an OSHA violation, sir. <laughs> now watch me get shot in the dick by 11-year-old Eli. So... <laughs> All right, and then the next day, this movie says, you know what, we need to hear us more characters. So he now rides up to his sister's place. Now, we're going to find out it's his sister. At first, he just rides up on a woman we haven't met yet, and she just tackles him, drags him to the ground, and smothers him with kisses. But no, that's his <laughs> sister. Like, yeah, oh, another girlfriend. All yeah, right, this right. dude is slinging some pipe. Cool. My My first note for this scene is, who is this lady Seriously, I'm going to need these dusty white people to wear name tags. <laughs> <laughs> They're all elder and sister. Also, Tackle was very weird, very sexual. These people give the Folger siblings a run for their money. I'll say it right now. <laughs> so, yeah, so he has uh, dinner with his uh, sister's family. And we learn here that the assassination attempts on Brigham Young have gotten so serious that they're taking Brigham Young to his summer home. His security expert, Milton Long, the wink, wink, good guy, as far as we know, is going to take him to his summer home and get him away from all these damned assassins. Right. And, and then Miles is like, well, I guess I've got to go there and help defend him. Oh, also tickle monster, right? Like just (laughs) so creepy. So very uncomfortable. I needed an adult during this scene. <laughs> There's just one moment I want to touch on during this scene. The the son character, they're in the middle of explaining this plot <laughs> and just out of nowhere goes, I heard you were dead and no, I can't sound less psyched about it. Okay, bye. <laughs> but it's just, I don't, how many takes did this child do of, of jubilance at his uncle's death before they were just like, it's fine, it's we're fine. Just gonna, we have- we're going to imagine a backstory where he really hates this fucking uncle. I guess. <laughs> and also like, that literally happened the night before. Did the kid see it tweeted or something? Like hashtag Dynite Ambush? What the fuck is going on? How does it how does information travel faster than Miles does on a horse? I don't right. get it. Right. All right. So like yeah, so but he stays with him that night and you know, like we have the long scene where he's having a conversation with his sister talking about like Boy, we sure do have a fully fleshed out backstory, do we not? We sure do, right? And that's a wrap on these characters. <laughs> you sure are a character that matters and not a weird way to horn in the next room that I will shoot people in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Y'all don't mind if I leave you with a body, do you? Yeah, right. Also, this was an interesting moment because it's, I guess, another little wink and a nod to a Mormon the sister turns to him and she's like, I need you to get married because otherwise you can't go to like the top heaven. Right, right, right. <laughs> what? I wrote down handshake meme, but with Mormons on one side and Jewish moms on the other. Get married <laughs> and your soul will wander in the middle. <laughs> you know, son, your balls are starting to dry up. They do about the time you're 35 years old. <laughs> yeah. I know, mom. I know. Okay. I know. So, okay. And then, all right. So it's the next day. He's about to leave. They're doing that fucking Midwestern. I'm already out to my car, but I can't leave yet because you're still standing here talking to me thing. When suddenly Alpheus Young, you remember from the ambush, gets the drop on him. Well, Uh, he rides towards him yelling, I'm bulletproof and has as much success with that as his dad did. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, he's um he's riding on he he starts firing at this guy from like whatever 300 yards away or so, you know, just on horseback. So that goes as well as it probably really would if you were on horseback and the other guy wasn't. Yeah. It's the old the, the old stormtrooper method, only yeah. on a horse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But fucking Miles kills the horse. He's not a great shot. And then so Alpheus comes up to him. Miles has his gun out, and Alpheus is like, I bet I can outdraw that. Uh, he can't. <laughs> no, he cannot. Cannot. He dies. Then nope. Shoots him. Center mass. Instant dead. Yep. Yep. So, He's gone. All right. So now Miles is off at some fort looking for Bill Hickman. No fucking Hell clue. Yes. <laughs> My favorite character aside from Eliza Rigby. Bill Hickman drives this shit straight home. I love it. That's right. That's, this right. is wild Bill Hickman. We have met him before. That's right. Okay. All right. This is the dad character. I just want to read you, the listener at home, a sample of our notes. Noah, oh now he's in a fort looking for Bill Hickman. No fucking clue. Eli, who the fuck is Bill Hickman? Bryce, a page and a half of when my brother Bill Hickman was doing. He's got, like, he's got two pages of Bill Hickman fan fiction. I wish you were here. And I even like I even preface it with this is a great scene. So like, hey, guys, can we spend some time on this? It's a great scene of your Bryce Blake and Echo. <laughs> so. Bryce is listening back to this episode. Should have spent more time on Bill Hickman. <laughs> I wish I would have talked about him. I wish I would have talked about more of the Timpanogos massacre. God damn yeah. it. So, okay. But before we can meet Bill Hickman, though, because this is very important. The guy whose throat is slit in the opening scene, that guy's widow shows up. She's at the oh, fort. Oh, shit. Right. Right. And she's like, I just want you to know I dedicate about 20 minutes a day praying that you burn in hell. I don't Literally. think 15 minutes would do it. I we, we tried 16 and it just it felt like we were cheating God on four minutes. So 10 minutes in the a.m., 10 minutes in the p.m., me and my kids praying you burn in hell. Just want you to know. Right. And then her kids, little like Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn looking kids are like, when we grow up, we're going to kill you, mister. Also, yep. we know you're fucking Brigham Young's daughter. I don't even know how we know that, but we do. <laughs> also, we we just now got the drop on you. I know you did, we're not big enough to kill you with it, but it's not going to be hard when we get there. Like everybody <laughs> got the drop on you. Our mama got the drop on you with spit. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, it's amazing too, because like, if we're supposed to buy into the character of Miles, he is a cold blooded killer, killed dozens of folk in cold blood so many times. And these little 10 year olds saying they're going to kill him. This guy is shook to the core. Yeah. Like, uh -huh. It was crazy. Oh my God. But then he finds Bill Hickman. Yeah. And I'm so happy. He might as well file a co-lawsuit against these kids with Devin Nunes. Like, <laughs> that's the level. Yeah, these kids are Russian assets now. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, all right. So, yeah, he goes inside and he finds Bill Hickman and Bill Hickman. And, okay, th this is this is literally my introduction for the next scene. So now Miles and Bill Hickman, question mark, are going dot, 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 somewhere, question mark, on a dot, 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 something, question mark. And Bill's talking about killing folks. No idea what's going on in this one. Okay. And just to be clear, because Bryce is about to tell you how much this scene meant to him, what is happening is a man entirely covered in suit is monologuing about all the people he killed in chronological order. 
Uh, the first guy I killed, uh, well, it wasn't really me. It's Zika virus. Uh, but, you know, I sneezed on him. <laughs> What's well, amazing though, it's one of those many like moments in a in a movie where you show up in a conversation and you're just like a million dollars if you tell me what question led to that. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. But okay, so I gotta talk about Hickman's monologue because he is I mean, for all his uh whiskey drunken stupor here, he is the most level headed character in the whole movie. Right, because Bill Hickman and Brigham Young, historically, they butted heads constantly until Hickman was basically exiled from Salt Lake City. So Bill Hickman goes on a tirade about killing people. And he's like, blood atonement, that made it easy. Save a wicked man's soul by spilling his cell, uh, spilling his bloods. Raise yourself up in the process. Salvation for the victim. Exaltation for the slayer. Good deal for both parties. And he's like, He's saying it like so very tongue in cheek. And then he's finally like, someone's trying to kill Brigham. Fine. Let his blood be shed for a change. And I'm like, I am on board. Bill <laughs> Hickman, you gentleman and scholar, the only person who's got their head on straight. But I, I do want to drill in just for a second on what exactly is being said here. Like this character is just going in and saying like, yeah, no, that was actually literally what we believed is that, you know, we were killing people in a just way. Just a reminder, religion is terrifying and we own a state, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, if any of you want to go down the do people go to heaven when you kill them rabbit hole when doing research on the Danites again on the LDS website, like deep, deep buried along with the is polygamy. Okay. Stuff is the like fight about whether or not when the Danites killed the wrong people, they went to heaven. <laughs> it is must read TV. <laughs> <laughs> also, I just got to say this scene ends so perfectly because Bill Hickman gives this very emotional monologue that Bryce just repeated word for word for you. Right. And then Miles goes, I mean, you did get kicked out of Mormonism three times, Bill. You know what I'm saying? You did get kicked yeah. out of Mormonism. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Bill's like, yeah, that's fair. Well, and, and then there's a little bit of revisionism here, too, where, where Miles has to stand there and go, no, but all of that violence that was attributed to him was just Brigham Young's various generals acting against his wishes is what it is, right? No, he didn't want you to kill anybody. Yeah. Oh, you killed him for your own gain and then just blame Brigham. No, no, he did not. No, yeah. that was all because of Brigham. But okay, so why this scene means so much to me is because I'm seeing like my modern self in Bill Hickman screaming at a 12 year old version of myself in Miles. Right. Because when he says like Brigham should die for this, Miles is like <gasps> clutching his pearls. <laughs> yeah, That's right. blasphemy. And then he's then Bill Hickman's like, I'll tell you what blasphemous is. Turn your backs on those who risk your lives and souls for you. And then then he goes on. He's not a prophet. He's just a man. That's all he is. A man who's ready to let you die if it serves his purpose. You're going to break your neck trying to save him. You're blind, self-righteous fool. And I am in tears, like reliving my childhood through my current eyes at this point. And then uh, Miles tackles him, and uh, it's it's over. Yeah, well, no, it, he's like he's like, what if I slit your throat? And he's like, to prove that religion doesn't make you crazy and violent, you're going to slit your father's throat. And he goes, fuck, fuck, fuck. He has this great moment. He's like, uh, so 
son, as your dad, can I tell you, you're a little quick on the killing people thing. Kind of your go-to. <laughs> I killed a lot of folk, and you, son, are a loose cannon. Yeah. <laughs> Let me do so. this as a compliment sandwich. Love the mustache. Uh, you're too fast to kill people. I like your hat. <laughs> so... All right, so he leaves because Bill Hickman's going to be no good. And apparently, apparently, he went to see Bill Hickman to help find Porter Rockwell. And Bill Hickman said, "Yeah, he's out in the desert somewhere." Right, Escalani. Yeah, beautiful area. Yeah, really narrowed it down for him. Okay, so he's off to find him. And just then, Miranda shows up dressed like a dude, and Miles is very clearly into it. Right. Okay. <laughs> My notes for this scene are just. Who the fuck is this one now? You cannot dress one of your identical, scrubby, <laughs> messy, dusty, dusty white yes. women in a different costume. I was going off of wearing a black dress, wearing a gray dress with a yeah, white top. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Eli, Eli, are you saying that all Mormons look alike? Yeah, I think I that's exactly. That I think that's exactly yes. what he was saying. Everyone all except right. that rugby guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, yeah, but she shows up, and this is such a weird shoehorn kind of thing anyway. She shows up, and she's like, I've ridden all this way. I don't know where the fuck you are or where I was to begin with, but it's a long ways anyway. I rode a long way to tell you that they're coming for you. They're trying to kill you. Who? They. And she's like, haven't they been trying to kill me this entire movie? She's like, yep. Yep, they sure have. Shit, I didn't have to really ride out. I could have just been dressed like a lady this whole time. Fuck. Damn. Miles so clearly sucks at his job. So many times, like every scene, someone's gotten the drop on him. You know, information travels faster than him on a galloping horse. <laughs> right. And he is so easily findable. A teenage girl was able to do it when teenage women weren't allowed to do anything in Utah. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. He's terrible. He deserves to be dead at this point. He's a bad soldier. You know who else is bad at their job? I, I hate to blame a grieving widow, but this grieving widow was pretty bad at her job, too. Yes! So she shows up. <laughs> Right here, as, as they're about to go out, she shows up and she's like, I'm sorry, shit. I was supposed to, when I spit on you earlier and I was telling you about the 10 minutes that I spent in the morning, evening, I was supposed to give you this book. It's 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 necessary for the plot to make any sense going forward. Right. This is my husband's journal, the journal of the man that you slit his throat in the opening scene of the film. I spit on you again, but it's dusty out here. The one spit is really all I got. <laughs> Feel like I kind of blew my load with the first thing. Now I'm just giving you a book. I hate you. <laughs> it seems like almost like I forgave you. I don't. I don't. I don't. I just don't. to be clear, I don't. I just forgot. Look me. Book. Look me. Look me right in the eyes, sir. This book is really necessary for the movie that the two of us are acting. Yes, in right. right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Director says I got to bring you this book for the plot to make sense. <laughs> We were going to have you, like, find it at some point, but if you found it on the guy's body when you cut his throat, it'd be too early in the movie. Yeah, so this is so the only I'm, way we could really work this Yeah, in. right. All right, well, you know what? Murder is sometimes bad and has consequences as, as close as we're ever going to get to a moral message in this flick. So we're going to pause there for a break, but first let me give Act 3 the hard sell. Will it turn out that he just murdered the fuck out of an innocent guy? Couldn't he have just let that innocent guy explain himself? Did I accidentally just get the drop on him? Find out the answers to these questions and more when we return for the soup-scented conclusion of The Avenging Angel. Okay. 
First, first soup joke, man. We are this far soup in on the first soup, yeah. soup you joke. Could say it, you could say it got the drop on you, Bryce. <laughs> right. The egg Stop drop, there, baby. Spooned that joke in there. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Somebody <laughs> laugh at my egg drop joke. Come on. <laughs> you wanted to see me, Jeff? Miles, Miles. Yeah, come in. Have a seat. Thank you kindly. Uh, do, do you want a, you want a towel? For all the blood all over your hands? Oh, no. No, I'm I'm fine. Right. See, Miles, that's actually why I brought you in today. We we really appreciate everything you and the Danites have done for the cause, but your methods are a little, uh, how do I put this? Uh, one note. Uh, how so? Okay. Well, for example, you remember last week when I asked that you oversee that mining negotiation? I do. A lot of men needed using up that oh, You see, that's the thing. You murdered everyone involved. Was uh, That was not the solution I was looking for. Uh, I see. Um, what, what were you looking for? I don't know. Negotiation, mediation, something other than shooting them. Got it. Okay. Got it. Or the week before... Where I told you that field had gone overgrown and needed retilling, you well, you you just shot it a bunch of times. I did, and I'll tell you that field will give you no more problems, sir. It, but it will though, because you can't kill a field. It's the, you know what? Never mind. I, I appreciate your time, Miles. No problem, sir. Hey, boss. Sorry I'm late. Oh, Jedediah. I don't know what I'm going to do about you. Miles. Oh, come on. Now, that one was obvious. No, no, it was not obvious. It was obvious to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back for still more of this shit. So uh, when we last left off, Miranda and him were setting off to find Porter in the desert. And we're going to rejoin them Having set off to do that, I, I love like the first scene here is just all housekeeping of the various fucking characters, right? Where he turns <laughs> to her and he goes like, you know, I killed your brother like two scenes ago. Should we address that? Like the no, fact that this doesn't no, have any effect on our relationship whatsoever. <laughs> just like, I got 35 more of them. Fuck yeah, him. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, they have the do you love me? Not really conversation oh yeah she's like i saw here you looked at eliza rigby and then like that's that's a that's a pretty solid point like i hey i'm a teenager i was using you you were using me let's just uh go our separate ways we can be a booty call once in a while i know you're going after someone more your age which in the grand scheme of things we should probably be much more okay with i know it's not culturally accepted for you to fuck somebody of your own age but hey i'm just a teenager and it's uh you know when historians are looking at this in the future this is gonna look real fucking weird and they're gonna write entire articles and books about how this never actually happened and uh yeah i don't want to be like i don't want to be a footnote so uh <laughs> fuck you buddy fuck you so yeah, and okay, okay, so they're having this conversation, and the movie's thinking, yeah, this is fucking boring, so somebody shoots her in the leg. <laughs> Literally, they shoot her as though they could not think, they're sitting there going like, well, yep, that, that conversation is exhausted, 
Kapow! I thought, genuinely thought for a second that he had shot her in the leg to get out of the conversation. <laughs> no, he would have hit her horse. <laughs> so yeah, so like, some bad guys are coming up behind him on the horses. For a moment, we get like the hover bike scene from Return of the Jedi, but on horses, so without the suspense, you know. Mm -hmm. And I love, so Miles eventually, though, he's got a great plan, which is just get off his horse and shoot each one of them as they ride by. Yep. Which totes works. Right. Like yep. I, I felt I felt like at most you'd get three guys doing that, but who the fuck knew, right? Well, he knew. He knew. Yeah. He shoots and or knocks out all the people chasing them. And then the shot shifts immediately to him lecturing 230 other people <laughs> about how they're in big trouble for shooting Brigham Young's daughter and they better skedaddle. And how he totally fucking whooped their asses. That, right. That's the whole scene. Yeah. He, so after he shot the first three, the rest of them were like, okay, we give up. And he's like, okay, now that you've given up, you ruffians, you, I'm going to entrust you with this incapacitated teenage girl in the middle of nowhere. Be sure you take her back to her dad. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yep. Wow. And I've never seen an action scene end this way before in a stern talking to. <laughs> yep. And you know what? More action movies need this. I want the next Fast and the Furious to end with just Vin Diesel sitting there giving a bunch of like weird cyber terrorists a talking to about family. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's crazy too because he wraps it up by saying, don't worry about the bleeding and dying daughter of the prophet. I want you to be concerned about me. Yeah, right, right. Just, just don't, don't come back and 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 you know ambush me or something because I really am not swinging good on ambushes here. You'll 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 kill me. Just just don't, yeah. guys, please. So they take her off, to, and she's not in the movie now. She's we're, she's fine. She'll be fine. Don't worry. So then we cut to him. He's out in the canyons looking for Porter Rockwell, and we have this like he rides up to a canyon and like looks into it and goes. Nope, he's not in that canyon. 81 canyons to go kind of a moment, right? <laughs> yep. And just to make this extra fucking hilarious, this happens at one hour, 13 minutes, uh, almost exactly in the movie, I think. He's riding around on his horse in these canyons and his horse, his fucking saddle or something is making the squeaky shoe sound the oh, entire yep. time. And it's goddamn hilarious because they yep. don't acknowledge that he's got that squeaky shoe sound going. Anyway, sorry. They do not. It's pretty great. And then as if looking at a place where there is no one wasn't boring enough, we watch him read. But yeah, I'm not sure that this actor had ever read a book before because he is holding the book at arm's length like he's checking each page to see if it's a magic eye. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he just got his LASIK surgery, so he's got, you know, long, he's, his eyes are still trying to get adjusted to it. No, oh, it okay. That's yeah, there you yeah go. exactly. Yeah. So, okay, so while he's out looking for Porter Rockwell, Porter fucking Rockwell gets the goddamn drop on him. Yep. So, <laughs> uh, number 13. You know that guy's 13. out there. Like, you know that's the one fucking thing that you know about this area is that Porter fucking Rockwell's in it, and still he gets the goddamn drop on you? All right, fine. To be fair, you could make the argument that this movie is about a series of people who have less and less reason to get the drop on him, getting the drop on him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Ah, they did. Of course, this is one of the very few points where they reveal the Mormons on the writing staff too. And that this is actually to a Mormon audience because after Port gets a drop on him and like forces, disarms him and stuff, Port offers him whiskey. And this is the second time in the movie where he refuses some whiskey. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's such a good Mormon assassin. Yeah, right, right, exactly. He might murder people, slip people's throats that are innocent of any wrongdoing, but he does not drink whiskey, goddammit. Yeah, people who, the threat that they were to the church was, they were the historian. Well, right, right. <laughs> that well, guy, yeah. to be fair, he was also making coffee in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, so. Yeah. All right, so, but this is also, okay, so he, Porter Rockwell finds him. They reveal, they basically spell out the whole plot, right? They're trying finally. to assassinate. Yeah. Fucking finally. So apparently Ben Rigby is trying to assassinate Brigham Young so that he'll take over as the head of the church. And the assassin that the main character killed at the very beginning was Brigham Young's ex-wife, that one of Brigham Young's ex-wives, so that they could like, you know, blame it on, oh, it was a jilted wife or whatever. That's why they hired her to do the deed. That's the whole fucking thing, right? The the, right. the mystery is is resolved. But now he's got to go back and save Brigham Young while there's still time. Oh, sorry. We also learn that the gun that he was given by Jeffrey Jones's characters was booby trapped. If he tried to use it, he would have died. <laughs> this movie is so filled with unnecessary plot points. Oh my it's god! Phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted him to just like pull out a list and be like, "All right, let's see what else didn't we cover in this movie." <laughs> Those assassin guys from the beginning, they're not going to make any sense. Let's kill them a little bit later. Um, Wait, why on, were how, you in that how, graveyard? How do we explain why Porter Rockwell was way out in the desert? Um, shit, how do we do this? Oh, let's just have Port tell him that he didn't want to kill him, so he fled everything and knew that that Miles would find him out in the desert. Yeah, that'll that'll hold. Yeah, that'll gain traction. Right. Right, exactly. Look, if people were willing to buy Dark Knight Rises, they're willing to buy any fucking thing. So, <laughs> all right. So, okay. So now they arrive at the house. So the two of them, like they go, they rush off and they steal a bunch of horses on the way so they can have fresher horses. And so that this movie can make the hour and a half runtime they were going for or whatever. They show up at the summer house where Brigham Young is. Right. Now, there are a bunch of different guards every which where it's going to be pretty damn tricky to get in, or at least they're going to sit there for a while and talk about how tricky it should be for them to get in. Not so much in reality, though. No, but what they do in reality is they open up the horse pen and walk in. Yep. Well, no, 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 not quite that. He use, he opens up the horse pen and then he runs in between the horses to use them for cover. Mm -hmm. and. It's amazing because you see him like run out of the pack of the horses. Very clearly. In front of two guys who are running towards him in the horses. Hey, right. But they're only look. It's like the it's like the when you're counting the basketball passes and shit. You yeah, exactly. See the monkey. Yeah. It's yeah. like that. When that scene happened, I wanted him to run in front of those guys and be like, I'm the horse. Winnie. I'll be going Winnie. inside. <laughs> All yeah, right. My horse. bridle. I mean, we did get the drop on that horse awful fast. Ah, you know what? Never mind. Also, the other thing that we have to set up here, because this movie has been stupid but not entirely magical, is he turns to Porter and he goes, Hey, aren't you magic? 
Yep. And he's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we now is the best time for us to mention that in this movie. As long as I never cut my beard or my hair, I can't be killed. Porter is a Nazarene. Oh. Yeah. Yep. And, and the best part is here is the movie kind of by virtue of saying what they did in the lines reveals how much of a plagiarist Joseph Smith was, right? Yeah. Because, <laughs> because Miles is like, he's like cutting out your hair and you'll, you'll, you know, whatever. It judges chapter 16, verse 17. And Porter looks at him. He's like, is that where that comes from? You know, Joe told me a long time ago that if you don't cut your hair, you'll be invincible. Well, he ain't been wrong yet. It's like, oh, Joseph just stole that shit. Yeah, right. Oh, right. Fuck. Exactly. I better not think about that when I'm trying to fall asleep tonight. <laughs> so, yeah. So and then, of course, OK, so he sneaks into the house despite the fact that he has already snuck into the house. He being Miles Porter's job is to ride around and shoot at some of the more explosion barrels that they brought with them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The campfires with dynamite at the bottom. Exactly. Yes. The dynamite campfires that they've got going. He's got to shoot a few of those so that everyone will be looking at him instead of the house where miles already broke in. Right. Right. And port here, this is crazy, right? Because there's the prophecy that he'll never, no blade or bullet will harm him. And every Mormon knows this, that he was never shot or stabbed his entire life. The prophecy, it's one of Joe's few prophecies that actually came true. Port gets shot like 19 times here, just riddled with bullets. And I screamed, no, Porter can't die. Uh, completely lost in the movie, right? And they don't reveal it immediately. But... He just falls off his horse and they cut back to Miles. And I'm like, no, no, what? But Porter, Porter can't get shot. He's like, he's the hero of the story. And then I realized like, oh, he's also a fucking mass murderer. Oh, yeah, right. Shit. No, he's not a hero of the shit. But yeah, okay, I got lost he... in it. He had been wearing a bulletproof vest. It's a good thing no one shot at his head. Yeah, one of those <laughs> Nephite chest plates. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. He just happened to have one of those sitting around. So, and then all the guards, he wakes up and all the guards are like, wait, aren't you Porter Rockwell's son of thunder? And he's like, I am. And they're like, well, why aren't you? are a good guy. What the hell are you doing here? He's like, well, sit right back and I'll spin your yarn about what this here movie is all about now. <laughs> yeah, let's give this movie credit. This movie ends an action scene with a talking to and an explanation yeah. <laughs> within 20 minutes of each other. Also, just a side note on that Porter Rockwell, like being bulletproof and knife proof thing. That's fucking awesome because the chances are that guy got shot or stabbed sometime, right? Which means he had to spend really his whole life being like, nope, they didn't get me. This is from uh, shaving. <laughs> oh, I was shaving my stomach. Yeah. I was shaving my stomach earlier today. I sure. No, I wasn't because that would be a haircut. I was so, fucking your dad. I don't know. I'm going to go. <laughs> and we cut away from Porter having this talking to of these guys who just shot him. Yeah. And he must have had to say something along the lines of, you're about to hear a whole bunch of gunshots happen inside the Brigham Young's house. <laughs> Don't, Don't worry about that. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's my Just guy. Put on another pot of coffee, boys. Yeah. Well, not coffee, but you know, yeah. <laughs> but okay. So yeah. Meanwhile, Miles is going through the house. One of the bad guys shoots at him through the wall, but he shoots at him even shootier through the wall. So he wins. <laughs> He's. Yeah, sneaking with spurs, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clink, clink, clink. 
So, all right. So Miles goes into Brigham Young's office. He's like, Brigham Young, I've made it all the way to your office. Everything will be fine. But the chair spins around. And if it isn't fucking Jeffrey Jones doing the chair spin of malevolence there, he's like, yes, indeed you are. Okay. But most importantly, it is a failed chair spin. And that is so vital. He makes it about... Three quarters to nine tenths of the way around, and then he has to do the like little tippy toes thing as yeah. he walks himself <laughs> yes, over. Yes, he's like, yes, tippy, 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 tippy. Far, oh shit, <laughs> yeah. Oh, this it's such a this this brought it all home where I was like, oh my god, this movie, I, it's like right on the edge of being self aware bad, but not quite there. It doesn't not quite there. go over the edge. Yep. It's just it's just bad. I wanted Jeff Jones to accidentally hit the sink lever. All of a sudden, his chair drops down. Oh, fuck. Sorry. I got to stand up. Now it's too tall. You know what? Just come with me. I'm going to kill the prophet. But but here's the thing, though. But here's the most important part of it, though. Let's not lose sight of the fact that Jeff Jones just got the goddamn drop on him. (laughs) Jesus. But so and he explains, he's like, you see this whole fucking movie. The plot is. That we were going to kill Brigham Young, yes, but we needed a patsy to blame it all on. And you were fucking his daughter. And since everyone in the entire United States of America knows that you are fucking his daughter, this will be fine. It's like, you own the police. It doesn't really fucking matter. But okay, sure, why not? Right. And he's like, you survived our little ambush. I realize I can't extinguish you. I can use you. It's like apparently like you're a half wit because we got the drop on you. I mean, about three dozen times by this point, but apparently everybody else that's a Danite is just a quarter wit and they just cannot, yeah. <laughs> cannot apparently yeah. can't get you. But then this is where we deal with brother Parker, the guy whose throat he fucking cut at the beginning of the movie. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it turns out that he was just a historian who figured out about this plot and then tried to run off. And so when this when this fucking Danite shows up to slit his throat, rather than saying, I know about a plot to kill Brigham Young, he just says, but you don't understand. I should explain to you in long form the and then gets his <laughs> throat cut. And what's amazing about this, too, is Milton Long here had some grand plans for the church, right? Free trade, private ownership, uh, mining. And Miles replies with changes that make you a wealthy man. And he says, oh, yes, I believe they will. And I was hoping that the historian would bend a little church doctrine. Milton Long just described the church in the 1870s. Right. Right. Brigham (laughs) Young died in the 1% with something like $1.6 million that he made off of the backs of people who starved to death. For yeah. decades. Like, this guy was close to Rockefeller rich in the 1870s. I, I mean, he had an estate of $40 million in 2019 money. Jesus right? like, Christ. You didn't need to bend the church to make it more capitalist. Like, Brigham had done it so yeah, well to right. at this point. Well, he that's was king. That's the thing is that basically they were like, so you were trying to set yourself up to be... Brigham Young. Exactly, Brigham You can't Brigham Young harder than Brigham Young already. Yeah, did. yeah right. <laughs> like, have you been, have you seen Utah? Do you live here, buddy? No. As we're about to learn in the next scene. Yeah, okay. 
So, all right. So now Jeff Jones is like, now you will go with me to see Brigham Young and I will shoot Brigham Young and blame it on you. And he's like, I don't want to. But he has to because that's where the last part of the movie is. So he gets there and and Jeff Jones is like, hey, you know, this is the man that killed your son. And he we caught him. He was trying to kill you. But don't worry, I disarmed him. But Brigham Young, clever motherfucker that he is, slips a gun to Miles because he's figured out the whole goddamn plot. He's a prophet. He saw the whole thing coming. That must have been it. Okay. The whole time this scene is setting itself up where Brigham Young is like, Miles, I'm disappointed in you. I forgive you. And I'm writing in my notes like Brigham Young never forgave anybody. Like the fact that he hasn't (laughs) murdered this guy immediately is the most unrealistic part of the movie. And it has a magic neophyte who can't cut his hair and is bulletproof. (laughs) And then he opens his jacket and there's a gun in there. And I was like, okay, got to give it to this movie. That is very Brigham Young. Yeah. It is like, oh, no, see, I was using forgiveness as misdirection for you to murder a guy for me. That's pretty Brigham fucking Young. Let's young it up as we can. That's pretty. That's yeah. OG no, Brigham that's, Young. That's, that's true. Yeah. Oh, that's totally. True. Yep. Nailed oh, it. Man. The Young family crest is opening your jacket so someone else can shoot a guy for you. <laughs> doing a Brigham, as they call it in Utah. Yeah, that's doing a Brigham. Then they end the scene, of course, the way that Brigham and Miles first met with, here, boy, take my hand, as the camera zooms in close on their Masonic handshake. Oh, is that what? Okay. Yep. All right. Got it. And same thing with Miles and Porter right before they broke into the house, too. Uh, Yep. And also, by the way, he gets now gets the job of the guy he just killed. I'm going to throw this out there. Never take a job that you got by killing the guy who had that job, right? Like, that's just a bad (laughs) policy. Mm -hmm. Good life insurance. Yeah. So, okay, so now it's time for him to go arrest Rigby, the guy who was at the center of this whole plot, this whole attempted coup. Right. uh, And also is the husband of the chick that he wanted to fuck from earlier. And this this part is like, oh, fuck. Okay, so they foiled the Brigham Young plot. Shit, how are we going to deal with the other guy? We introduced a villain early on. Fuck, what are we going to do about him? Oh, he's batshit crazy. That's an easy way to handle this guy. Yep. Yep. He's standing there yelling. (laughs) He's standing in the middle of the temple from the beginning, just yelling his sermons into the middle distance. Yeah. With nobody there. uh, uh, Off screen, he found out that he was going to be in a bunch of trouble and lost his mind. And then we have this like, long like moment where miles wants to shoot him and eliza won't let him because she has to save his soul or whatever and it's like he's already he slit the guy's throat from the beginning this is like at least let him kill the bad person but no it's the weirdest moment he goes you're trying to save his soul and she goes no i'm trying to save yours and literally everyone in the movie including the babbling madman on the floor turned to her and they're like I mean, I don't think this is going to do it. I got to be super honest with you, right? This doesn't seem seem like a last court, last in, first out situation. That's that's putting out the Australia fires with a thimble, honey. It's it's not going to do anything at this point. Either either there's not this much forgiveness or there's this much forgiveness plus killing this guy, right? Like that's that's where we're at. And then, then, okay, greatest thing about this fucking movie I watched it on YouTube. 
And the YouTube video that I watched of it had the first 10 minutes of the movie just like looping yeah. around again at the end of it. <laughs> So mm -hmm. I, I thought there were still 10 more minutes of the movie the whole time. And then it was yeah. just over. And I was like, wow, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and Charlton Heston, not in the credits. Oh, really? He didn't want anything. Yeah, to he saw the movie. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. All right. So look, if I had to guess at the moral of this story, I would say it's something like don't kill people until you know they need a good killing. Unless Brigham Young tells you to do it. Is that about right? I mean, is there a, a better way to go with that? I think that was the first motto of Mormonism. So I think you nailed it. <laughs> no, that was the second. The first yeah, one was Joseph that, Smith. but Joseph yeah, Smith. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. But. Yeah, like this movie was all about how all of the bad guys were bad guys and all of the good guys were actually worse guys. Yeah. Because like in the grander scheme of things, like, the people at the top of the Utah theocratic empire were evil motherfuckers, right? And like, I could never imagine a story or a timeline where Porter Rockwell could be portrayed as a good guy, but I'll be damned if this movie didn't somehow do that. I also yeah. never could envision a movie where Bill Hickman would be the most relatable character, but God damn it, like he's shown a spotlight on the problems of the whole fucking theology and the idea and the history of Utah and like, fuck, he, he caused me to like lose some sleep a couple of nights. Damn. Um, and yeah, uh, fuck Utah, uh, fuck Mormonism. But uh, hey, we got a lot of really good shots of scenery there. It's a beautiful state. <laughs> No, it is. It is. It's prettier than I thought it would be. Yeah, that's that. That honestly is the best moral that you can take away from this is Utah. Prettier than you think. <laughs> but it's fucked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Bryce, um, I can't thank you enough for lending us your wisdom here. Like, literally, it would have been me and Eli. It would have been like fucking two hours of me and Eli going, what I guess was that I don't guy know. Was, <laughs> was, is, was is Dan one of the people? He's Dan Why? is the, their leader. Such a big beard. What the yeah, fuck? Right. <laughs> uh, so so quick, uh, remind the listeners that are new to their uh, to our show if they want to hear more from you, uh, where should they go? Yeah, Mormon history is naked Mormonism, and Mormon headlines is Glassbox podcast. And of course, thanks for having me on. I, in spite of the terrible morals of the movie, I had a lot of fun today. I actually had quite a bit of fun with this one as well. So thanks for recommending it as well. And of Absolutely. course, while that does it for our review of The Avenging Angels, that's not going to do it for the episode just yet because we still need to Mormon it to fuck up next week. So, Eli, tell us what's on deck. Something, man. I I'll figure it out. It's been a it's been a long week. Yeah, we are recording this in January, but you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll forgive you. All right. So, with that to look forward to, we're going to bring episode number. Uh, I I had a long week too to a merciful close wasn't getting used to thanks to all the Patreon donors that help make the show go if you'd like to count yourself among the ranks you make a per episode donation to patreon.com slash godawful and thereby earn early access to an ad-free version of every episode you can also help a ton by leaving a five-star review on iTunes and by sharing the show on all your various social media platforms and if you enjoyed this show be sure to check out our sibling shows The Scaling Alien Citation Need and The Skeptocrat available wherever podcasts live if you have questions comments or cinematic suggestions you can email godawfulmovies at gmail.com legal services for this podcast are provided by the offices of P. Andrew Torres Tim Robinson takes care of our social media our theme song was written and performed by Ryan Slot and Evil Drafts on Mars. All of the music was written and performed by our audio engineer Morgan Clark and was used with permission. Thanks again for giving us a chunk of your life this week. For Heath and Wright, Eli Bosnick, I'm No Illusions, promising to work harder or another chunk next week. Until then, we'll leave you with the Breakfast Club close. Eliza Rigby went on to campaign for the first Utah State Senate. She got more votes than her husband and was elected the first female senator of the United States. Who shit? 
Brigham Young went on to insist that there were people who lived on the goddamn sun, and unless you believe that there are, you have to admit that he was a full of shit, crazy person at best. The Mormon Church would go on to make $100 billion very, very slippery. <laughs> <laughs> I was topical when we recorded it or close to, close to time. Right, come on. Yeah. Still $100 billion. Yeah. No, Probably no, it's less yeah. money. We'll also, do I'm Martha dead Hughes Cannon. She's a badass. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I right, believe I right. said <laughs> and and coughed in there. You wanted us to keep your cough? Yeah. <laughs> you really wanted to say 15 ums before you made your point? Yeah. Really? Well, I don't want other podcasters to think I can go all that way without saying um. So, yeah. All right. It's weird to attack Andrew when he's not here like that. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, Morgan's so happy right now. <laughs> Morgan's just overjoyed at that one. Okay. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.